there was a warrant out for his arrest and nobody ever came to pick him up. Just the fact he was about to be released from prison and he didn't turn up for that release date. He's told them, I have not been arrested yet, I'm not in prison, here is my address, here's where I am. You could argue he's got away with it in some respects. Nice buddy. Welcome back to another episode of Too Good To Be True Crime. My name is Richard and I live in the UK and Austin lives in Manhattan, New York. Hello buddy, how are you? Hey Rich, good to see you. I'm doing okay. It's it's very cold in New York right now and we had a pipe burst in the studio above our uh, our workspace. So I caught it on video. Yeah. I could hear the water dripping. I could hear I could hear the water getting faster and faster and I walked over into the other room and I, I sent you the video. I saw it and I couldn't believe it. it was like I wasn't sure when you sent it to me whether it was a video that someone had sent to you yeah. because I was seeing the drip the drip 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 and suddenly the whole ceiling just fell in and I was like and I knew it wasn't your apartment so I'm like okay so you're <laughs> you've still got somewhere to, to, to live but I wasn't sure what it was and then you said it was your studio but mate that was oh that's awful Dino, it's the, it's the winter mate honestly it's January February it's just awful it, and that kind of stuff happens all the time but you're looking at you know what suing the building is that what you, that what you guys do yes, over there yes that's right <laughs> it was a good thing that you weren't in the bathroom just having a bit of alone time and the, the ceiling collapsed upon you that would have been worse wouldn't it talking of the winter though I, I want to I can ask your advice on this this yeah. is a, this is a potential crime that I <laughs> that I may be confessing Okay. So you oh, tell you tell me whether you think this is a, this is a first. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Well, this is what I think. I want to put it to you, judge and jury, and you tell me what you think, right? So, as we know, it's a, an energy crisis at the moment. Everything's going up in price. It's expensive to heat your house. Now, I don't mind confessing this because we're moving very soon, so it's not really going to make much of a difference. But so my hallway is so cold, like freezing cold. Inside of your unit, or do you mean the hallway, like outside of your unit? Inside my apartment, the hallway, the main hallway, we don't spend a lot of time in there, so we invariably don't have the heater on in there because, well, what's the point in like running electric going and it's going to be like running up the bill and then you don't need to? But it does get cold, so when you like leave the living room and you go out in the hallway, you're like, bloody hell, this is fucking freezing in here. So, what I've started to do, so in the hallway outside the front door, it's a very safe building, you know, so electronic, get, electronic doors are getting and stuff. So, right outside my front door, there is the the heater which heats the hallways right for the for the actual building this is brilliant they're always on full blast so when you go out of your apartment into the hallway you're like oh it's lovely and toasty out here and i i feel like i want to take my ipad out there and just like relax in the evening sitting in the hallway outside my building right so i said to jem i said i've got an idea why don't we during during the daytime just open the front door so open the front door wedge the door open and now when I go into the hallway in my apartment, it's lovely and warm there, mate. And we live right at the end of the corridor. So there's no there's no through traffic. So no one's coming past the front door. So I'm technically using the heat from the from the communal hallways, which is flooding itself into our, our hallway in our apartment. And it's lovely and toasty. So I don't know whether technically that is is it allowed but frowned upon or is it not allowed? <laughs> I guess what I'm asking you is, is it a crime? Am I confessing something that I could get in trouble for? Oh, by essentially just opening my opening my front door and letting the communal heaters flood their way into my hallway. Um, oh, well, first of all, I'm going to just take a note here and we will not release this pod until after you move into your new place, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, I heard this term frowned upon and 
just doesn't really mean too much to me. So I think you can hold your head high on this one. Rich, I know you love saying, well, we've already been to the moon once, so what do you mean we can't afford going to the moon again? You've invented money. And so <laughs> yeah. it's like, in a perfect world, should anyone have to pay for their heating? I, I say two thumbs up for this plan. This is exactly the kind of thinking we need to move us into the next century. If anyone from my buildings is listening to this podcast, I encourage us all, just, just all, let's just all open our doors. Just all open our front yes. doors. We might get to know each other a little bit better as well. So I'm kind of doing something for the community that live here as well because I'm hopefully making it like a more friendly atmosphere and a more welcoming place for people to sort of say hello to each other in the morning. Going back to what you're saying about, well, we as a human race, <laughs> us as a species have created currency and we've created wealth. So when we say, oh, yeah, we can't heat that building because it's too expensive yeah but but we've made that it's not genetically within us to charge people for things is it i'm not 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 going down for that one mate hold your head high dude thanks buddy i appreciate that should we get into the pod <laughs> let's go <laughs> all right i've got an american story for you today quite an interesting story i'm looking forward to it i'm gonna take us to saint charles missouri i bet you've never been to missouri no i haven't me neither don't ask me where it is somewhere in america Some, it's somewhere yeah. over there yes it's that way I was clear. In 1999, two men rob a Burger King manager at gunpoint as he's trying to deposit money into uh, a safe at a bank. Mate, we're getting straight into it. I know. Straight into oh, it. We're... Gunpoint, Burger King. Boom. Two, two people, two assailants, two robbers, and they hold this, this Burger King manager at gunpoint as he's trying to do the night deposit. Right. Yeah, he's got like 2,000 bucks. Right. It's 1999, we don't quite have iPhones. Nobody's carrying around a, a, a smartphone or a camera, usually that you could just get something out quick. So these robbers are probably gonna get off, except that a witness was able to observe and write down the license plate of the car that they fled in. So the cops are on the number, the cops in St. Charles, run the number of the license plate and they find out it's registered to a 22 year old. This 22 year old's okay. name is Cornelius Michael Anderson. Okay. I believe he goes by Michael or Mike. And so 22 year old Cornelius Michael Anderson's car was used in this robbery. The next day they find his car abandoned in a parking lot like a mile from the bank. They try his place, he's not there. It takes them two months to find Cornelius Michael Anderson and he's hiding at his girlfriend's apartment. Hiding out. Yep. And in March of 2000, so we had a robbery in August, and in the following March, Anderson has a jury trial for armed robbery. This robbery supposedly took place at gunpoint, and the jury trial is for armed robbery, but the cops were never able to find a weapon. They searched his place, mm. they searched a car, couldn't find a weapon. But they did find a brochure. And the brochure was for a specific brand of pistol, of gun. Right, okay. Like a gun brochure. Yeah. Do you have the same... Is is brochure the same the same word over there? Yes, it is. But it, I. But we don't have gun brochures over here. <laughs> Can't get hold of those in the UK. I've got a couple here. I've got a how to sue anyone brochure. I've got how to find a gun anywhere brochure. So just hit me up if you need yeah. any good ones. <laughs> So we have in our in our, in our in our post boxes, you get a lot of junk mail. So you get in like you know your local pizza delivery, your sort of your Indian restaurant, your your Thai takeout food, all that kind of stuff. 
So is it fair to say that in sort of your mailboxes in the US, you'll get all that same stuff? Plus, occasionally you'll get, a you know, like a flyer from Walmart with the latest, like the rifle that's come out that you can get down and purchase. But we're not supposed to be talking about guns today, Rich. We're supposed to be talking about gun brochures, <laughs> okay? Gun brochures, because okay. the gun brochure is what was found in Anderson's possession, but not a gun. However, he's on jury trial wow. for armed robbery. Okay. The prosecutor used that brochure in the case to argue that Anderson owned a gun. Um, mm -hmm. And the jury returned a verdict of guilty. And Anderson, based from the brochure, just from, basically just from this brochure, um, was sentenced to a total of 13 years in prison. 22-year-old wow. guy. Wow. Okay. He's gone down for it. Even though there was no real evidence that he had a gun, it was just... he. Any Anyone could read one of those brochures, is what you're saying. Yeah, I know I've gotten... I know I've gotten pamphlets from the orange, the big orange guy, asking me to vote for him. Anyway, he's convicted, right? Um, he leaves on a $25,000 bond. He's able to leave the Fulton Diagnostic Center. I'm, I'm assuming that's the jail that he was he was in awaiting trial. So after yeah. 10 months yeah. after the robbery, he leaves the, the jail on a $25,000 bond. Now, his mm. attorney very quickly appealed and was like, Look, you can't use this. Uh, you can't use this brochure as evidence in the trial because this this introduces unfair prejudice. Is the specific term that he used, right? My client should yeah, be allowed yeah. to uh, look at guns without then the jury being prejudiced into thinking that he owns one and used one in a robbery. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the uh, the conviction was reaffirmed. No change there after the appeal. Then his attorney appeals the su Supreme Court of Missouri. Four of the seven justices on that Supreme Court voted to uphold the conviction. But it's unfair. It's unfair. That, that shouldn't yeah. be submitted as evidence. It, so it sounds like they're trying to stitch him up. Continue. This has gone on for years, right? In 2004, Anderson filed another appeal. He files this appeal based on inadequate legal representation at his trial. In this appeal... He wrote his current address, said, I am not in prison. Here's where I am. You still haven't arrested really? me. When he came out of prison the last time on bond, they, they said, no, you will serve your time. And he should have gone back to prison, but clearly didn't and was still out at this point, 2004. That's correct. Wow, so okay. by the time the Supreme Court ruled, mm. since he was out on bond, I guess they didn't arrest him right there in the courtroom. There was a warrant out for right. his arrest and nobody ever came to pick him up. Right. Okay. This is, uh, this is reminiscent of the forgotten employee, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So no one knows. So you could you could argue, why on earth did he send an appeal in if he was out and no one knew where he was? That seems like a foolish mistake by Anderson. It does, but you know, some people leave the door open and use the hallways heater, and some people do the right thing, Richard. <laughs> he is appealing because he doesn't want he he knows there's a warrant out for his arrest like he doesn't want that yeah. to stand and to be fair i mean he's doing this based on Ill inadequate legal representation i'm sure he's found new legal representation to help him file this appeal but either way yeah. with this appeal he's told them I, I, I have not been arrested yet i'm not in prison here is my address mm. here's where i am yeah nothing happened and the appeal at Nothing all. happened with the appeal. Wow. Okay. Anderson moves on with his life. He met a woman and married her in 2007. 
he founded a company, a construction company, and it was run by himself and his wife. He registered this business. He voted. Mm. In his name? In his name. In his own name, yep. he registered he, a bit. He's been voting. He's been renewing his driver's license, all using his full name and address. Wow. So he's he's there's there's a there's a paper trail of his life and existence. And that would be in some kind of legal computer somewhere. And yet all of those things, business, marriage, you know, probably probably credit cards and bank accounts. And yet still he's going unnoticed and flying under the radar. That's right. So he's like he's taking steps to try and rehabilitate himself and, and try and, you know, make mm. something different of his life. But I'm sure all yeah. along he's got holding over his head the next time that I vote, the next time that I send in to renew my driver's license, any of these could be the time that, that I get caught as well. One could easily argue that essentially he was doing the honest thing. He sent a letter mm. into them saying, I'm not in prison. How many letters do you mm. have to send to them to tell you that, that you're not in prison? His lawyer said at the time, he said, the state of Missouri is going to discover this and it's their responsibility to find him. It's not his responsibility to turn right. himself over. Okay. So he's, he, he I, I mean, to me, he's doing the, he's doing quite, quite the honest thing. If he was trying to avoid, if he was and, yeah. really trying to fly under the radar, he'd never renew his driver's license. He would never go to a government facility. Yeah. He would never vote. Those are all the things that you would do if you were really trying to hide. He opened a business. Yeah. He opened a business in his name. This guy's not trying to hide. It's not until 2013 that marshals arrive at Anderson's home and arrest him. Which is crazy because by that point he would have served his time in prison already and been out that's correct and the reason that there was a warrants served for his arrest that this got flagged was because his release date came and he wasn't there for them to release him right okay so that's the only thing that flagged up that he wasn't where they thought he was in prison was the fact that he was due to be released. So none of the other computer stuff that he was flagged up on or businesses or voting, none of that flagged anything up. Just the fact he was about to be released from prison and he didn't turn up for that release date. Correct. And also, it's been Mad. 13 freaking years. You have him as having yeah. a release date, but surely they didn't have any record of what cell he was being held in or like any health, mm. you know, from inside the jail. So I have no idea how this happened. Yeah. But upon his release date, mm. he they arrive at his house and they arrest him. His wife didn't even know about this prior robbery conviction. Yeah, because they got married and met afterwards. So this, this just like takes everyone by surprise 13 years later. Um, and wow. he's held in the Southeast Correctional Center in Missouri. So okay. in December of 2013, that same year that he gets that he gets arrested and taken in, uh, Anderson files a writ of habeas corpus. That's a fancy. What is that? Uh, that's a fancy legal term, <laughs> and it argues that the 13-year delay violated the American due process, which all Americans are entitled to due process. Yes. Otherwise, we'll sue. Yeah. So he says the 13-year <laughs> delay, um, it violated due process. And he also says that separating him from his family and the constructive life that he's made for himself would, be, would qualify as cruel and unusual punishment, 
which is a specific term right. that we have in the States that we are protected against, cruel and unusual punishment. And Anderson mm. says, look, you okay. take me away from my family. This is cruel and unusual punishment. It was stated by the attorney general that the 13-year delay in serving his sentence was not cruel and unusual. This attorney general of Missouri said, the United States Supreme Court has upheld much more severe sentences for less serious crimes. And he lets them know that habeas corpus actions are limited to suits seeking immediate discharge from confinement. This ruling will not work for him. This appeal it won't work for Anderson because he's not currently being confined in a Department of Corrections, right? So he, d he doesn't qualify for it's, it. It's not even relevant. But this attorney general says the applicable way for you to go through this process would be for you to sue the uh, d the director of the Department of Corrections of the county. Okay, so a couple, th a couple things happened here in 2014. And one of them was that Anderson's attorney filed a petition straight to the go governor of Missouri. And he asked for clemency or to commute the sentence. So they took one avenue mm. of just going straight to the governor and being like, this is our story. Can you b essentially pardon him? Can you grant him clemency, commute yeah. the sentence? And then only weeks later, they do decide to take up the attorney general's suggestion and they go after the, the director of the Missouri Department of Corrections, whose name is George Lombardi. Their suit says Anderson should receive time served from May 2000 to the present. And that he should be released from custody. Only like a month later, we're still in 2014, Anderson is released yep. from prison with credit for time served, making him a free man with no need for parole. So how, so how long has he spent in jail altogether at that point? Just that one month? And it was more than a month I have from July 2013 to May 2014. So just under a year. So you could argue... I mean, to be honest, there was never in my opinion, never any sufficient evidence to say that he had committed that armed robbery because, you know, it was a gun brochure. It wasn't a gun. Nothing was ever found. But if he did and they didn't find him in time, there's a statute of limitations at some point as well, I'd imagine. So for him to get away with just doing, what, six to eight months for a possible crime that he may have committed and he's lived a life and built up businesses, you know, prior to, to spending that year in prison... Yep. He's done all right there, to be fair. I mean, it would have been a stressful 10 years, I'm sure, because you never know what's around the yeah. corner. But if he did commit that crime, he's kind of done okay out of it. Would it be fair to yeah, say? Yeah, for sure. And one of the arguments that his attorney made was like, M my, my client has basically been his own parole officer since his conviction. Uh, he's, he's, he, yeah. he's done all the, all the things. And he has rehabilitated himself we've talked a little bit about how the prison system isn't really made least effectively to rehabilitate people. So, so people mm. about this case have argued he did more for himself and his community than him going to prison would have done for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if he's incarcerated, he could get himself into all sorts of trouble, not necessarily down to his, you know, to him. And he's actually started a business. He's voting. He's got married. He's probably bought a house. So he's, he's living as a, a legitimate member of society and not hiding from anything and actually showing that he's improved his life, learned from his, let's say, perceived mistake if he did commit the the robbery. And, you know, he's uh, he's essentially, you could argue he's got away with it in some respects. Yeah. 
Yeah, in some in some respects, I do like that that phrase of he has re he has effectively rehabilitated himself. Himself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the the attorney for the Department of Corrections director didn't raise any issues, no objections, no argument, and um, he asked the judge to consider Anderson's good behavior since 2000. And he did, and he was released. And so the judge was Judge Brown, and Judge Brown said to Anderson, this is a quote, he said, you've been a good father, you've been a good husband, mm. you've been a good taxpaying mm. citizen of the state of Missouri. That leads me to believe that you are a good man and a changed man. And then mm. the judge told Anderson he would receive credit for his time served. Um, and the judge announced to the courtroom, as such, your sentence will be fully served and satisfied today. Go home to your family, Mr. Anderson, and continue to be a good father, mm. a good taxpayer, a good husband, and good luck to you. Well, he has been, in the judge's eyes, a good husband, but I would like to be a fly on the wall when he actually goes home to his <laughs> wife and has to explain what he's been doing for the last 10 years. So that's, that, that should put an end to the story of, of, of Cornelius Michael Anderson who sort of took himself to prison. There you go. I'm sure he was in an emotional prison. Yeah. I'm sure he was in a prison of nerves for all of those years. But Rich, this is too good to be true yeah. crime. And this story takes place in America. So the story's not done yet. Yeah. He got Oh. We got this we got this we got this wonderful ruling. Well, I think it's a good ruling. We got this ruling in 2014 in May. And then on November 16th of 2014, the same year, Anderson mm. is in St. Louis, Missouri. And is stopped by police officers as he's walking from right. a bar to get to his vehicle. Okay. The police officers tell him that he closely matches the description of someone who has just stolen a woman's purse. Right. He says, guys, I was just at a bar with 40 people who can tell you where I was. Yeah. But they bring the woman over and she positively IDs him as the man who stole her purse. No. <gasps> Was it his wife? <laughs> Not only the victim identified him at the scene by the police, but a witness as well identified him as the robber. He's got to have one of those faces, hasn't he? That people think that he's constantly committing crimes and getting wrongly convicted for them. And Cornelius Michael Anderson is a person of color. And so when we hear this phrase, um, you, you've, you, mit, you fit the description, you match the description, it's a phrase yeah. that just kind of turns my stomach every time. Is there racial connotations to it, perhaps? I, yeah. I think for sure. It, um, if, if not, yeah. if, you know, there's reason to, for, for them to have found him in that original case. It was his license plate and whatnot. But this 2014 right. incident is the, the filthier side. Of, of law enforcement yeah. so um but also you know the this witness and the victim they not only identified him at the scene but then in a police lineup they also identified him so he's charged with <sighs> second degree robbery now. robbery and he's picked up by the cops but he didn't have any of the of the woman's property on him and he said i was right. just at a birthday party with my wife and 40 other people but mm. he was charged anderson's wife Maybe he has been a good husband after all. She starts investigating the incident. She yeah. gets CCTV footage from the surrounding area and from, and mm. from the, the bar that shows 
Anderson was in the bar the whole time. Yeah. Um, and then the Riverfront Times, a local newspaper, also investigated his alibi and obtained security footage as well, showing that Anderson was not at the place of this robbery. So in 2015, February 6th of 2015, the circuit attorney, Jennifer Joyce, reviewed the surveillance footage and she dropped all the charges against Anderson. She issued an apology and stated she had discussed the case over with the St. Louis police chief and the procedures will be reviewed and improved for, for the future. Um, mm. And apparently this, this detective, uh, this police chief, took full accountability for what's going on and he's going to make sure that the proper training takes place. Anderson takes himself to prison the first round. But then the next round, he's got his slate wiped clean because it wasn't him. Yeah, that's terrible. And then they thought it wasn't. To be honest, Anderson's probably thinking, I'm just going to go and buy a farm in the middle of nowhere and just live on there. Never, never come into contact with anyone. So I'm not going to be stitched up for any crime that I haven't committed that I'm going to be arrested for. It's madness. He sounds like he's a, a stand up guy. Yeah, I think so. I feel really bad. For, I, I feel really bad for him based on this story. So ep epilogue yeah. aside, you know. I couldn't not include that, but, but the real story is this story of Michael Cornelius Anderson, who was supposed to go to prison. Nobody came to get him, and, uh, and, and instead of getting into the same old shenanigans, he was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get myself back on track. And became a, a very responsible citizen of the United States of America. Yeah. Well, I hope that Anderson is, is living a, a fruitful and uh, fulfilling life yeah. wherever he is now, if he's still in, in Missouri. But um, what an interesting story, mate. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you brought that to our attention on Too Good To Be True Crime. Yeah, it's, and it's not, it's not too old. You know, these things happened in 2015, 2014. So I'm sure the story yeah. has been around there, but I thought I'd share it with you today. Thanks, buddy. Hell yeah. And I'm glad the listeners were able to hear that story too. And of course, to the listeners, if you like what you're hearing on Too Good To Be True Crime, please subscribe, like, leave us a comment. We're growing the audience nicely, but we can always welcome in some new listeners. So please do that. Listen to us. And uh, Austin, mate, it's good to see you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Too Good To Be True Great Crime. Great to see you, Rich. Adios.